This is awesome. Uh, for those of you who are online, uh, today is a soft launch with some of our leaders to make sure uh, that we have best practice in play. And then we're so excited to open to the public next week, July 12th. Uh, how good is it to be in the house of the Lord with people? Uh, this is amazing. I haven't preached to real people in front of me uh, in a little while. So I might be a little rusty, who knows? So I don't know how this is going to go down. I might just get so excited. Uh, I might start crying. Who knows? This is just like everything's up for game. But uh, just even being able to sing Jesus at the center uh, with a group of people who believe that Jesus is at the center, coronavirus, no coronavirus, right, whatever, Jesus is at the center always. This never changes no matter what we're doing. Uh, and so the sermon for the next couple weeks is going to be about something like that. So uh, if you can open your Bible to James chapter 1, in the next two weeks, uh, we're just going, as we, as we transition in back to the building, I just thought it was appropriate for us to think through uh, what does transitioning in mean, and then what does that look like for us as a church moving forward? So we're going to take two weeks to do that, and then on the third week, on July uh, 19th, we're going to start a series in 2 Timothy and walk through it verse by verse, uh, which as I have said, walking through books of the Bible will be and is our bread and butter. Uh, so we're super excited to get to that. We'll have those little books again for you to take notes and write in them. Uh, so looking forward to that. Uh, but if you want to write something down, for the next two weeks, we're going to have this little phrase, this changes everything and nothing. Okay, this is our phrase for the next two weeks, is that this changes everything and nothing. That as we transition back into the building and as we look forward to the future, as we still live in the current state of the world that we're living in, uh, as I walk on stage with a mask, take it off to preach, we'll put it back on to walk off the stage, as we're all operating like this, everything has changed, yet nothing has changed for us. Everything has changed, yet nothing has changed. The world has changed, but our God and our mission remain the same. So as we transition back into the building and as we learn what ministry looks like in 2020 and beyond, as we change methods, as we change ideas, as we change systems and structures, as we implement new ways of doing things, what I want us to remember and put our feet firmly on is that the world can change around us, but two very important things don't change about us. It's our God and our mission. These things remain the same. So in the midst of all the uncertainty that's before us, in the midst of changing things, uh, I want to plant our feet very firmly on this ground that our God does not change and our mission does not change. So that as we move forward, we have the same mission, we're serving the same God in the midst of a pandemic, outside of it, whatever 2020, 2021, and so on looks like, however we do church, whatever it looks like, that doesn't matter as much of the fact that our God and our mission remains the same. Now, uh, this is a phrase I used to use all the time when people were in the building, and we're going to get back to it. Who can finish this sentence for me? Don't spectate. Thank you. All right. That was very good. The last time I gave a test on like a slogan that I used, 90% of the people failed, and my pastor got it right. So one of the pastors got it right. I was like, that doesn't even count. Okay, he's here all, every day. Uh, so uh, that's great. So don't spectate, participate. Uh, engage with the Lord as we're walking through the Word together. Remember, this is a communal experience, all right? So you're not just watching some person deliver God's message. Uh, you're engaging with it together. So if that means you need to get on your knees and pray, if that means you want to holler amen, whatever it is, let's participate. Let's be engaged together as we walk through this. So uh, we're going to look at James. I think I said James 2. I meant James 1. So today is James 1, verses 16 and 17. Next week is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. 
And also, just an FYI, for those of you who have children, I have intentionally made this message shorter and more compact, all right? So uh, don't worry, be at ease, be at peace. Yeah, amen, they say. Everybody said amen, all right? So, uh, um, you know, I have four kids myself, so I, I know this game. Uh, and we will do our very best. Uh, to worship the Lord and do it in a very timely manner this morning. So, uh, Lord willing, that's something to be praying about, as hopefully we, you know, in the future, one day, we can open up City Light Kids again. We don't know what that looks like yet, uh, but we're working towards some plans and see in God's timing. Uh, I thought a good analogy for us as we think through this idea that everything changes, yet nothing has changed, as we think through stability for us as a church, uh, you know how you, I've been places where you see somebody ice skate for the first time. Y'all ever seen somebody ice skate for the first time? Right, so we used to do this event at my previous ministry. We'd go ice skating once a year in January, and it was hilarious, okay? Because first of all, it's a bunch of young adults. They're trying to, you know, pick each other up and impress people and all that. So it's just funny. Uh, and then secondly, people, half people don't know how to ice skate, you know? Even if you're coordinated, it just takes some adjusting to get used to doing it that way. And when you get on it, those of you who are experienced, right, you start going a little bit, and you start wobbling really fast. And as you try to make a turn or whatever, and how many times you see somebody, like, in desperation, grab on to somebody next to them, right? And they either pull them down or that person's strong enough and good enough to hold them up. Uh, and I want you to have that kind of concept as we think through moving into the future is that we may wobble and we may be uncertain. It's like a bunch of us are just on ice skates for the first time trying to figure out how to do ministry in a pandemic, how to do church in this new world. What does that look like? We're going to do this and that. But the thing we're going to grab onto that's strong enough always, no matter what changes, is that our God remains the same, strong, and our mission is the same. So no matter what we're doing and how we wobble and fall, no matter what, who knows what kind of bad decisions or mistakes we might make or how we're going to figure this out, we're falling back and forth. God remains the same. Our mission remains the same. So as you wobble in your family trying to navigate this world, as we wobble as a church trying to navigate this new world, let's be assured that no matter what, before we fall, we always have something strong to hold on to. Let's not rely on ourselves. Let's reach out and grab on to God who holds on to us. So James 1, I just have two very simple verses this morning, 16 through 17. He says this, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Two very simple truths for us this morning, or really, really basic but profound, okay? Number one is that God does not change. And number two is that God is good. One, God does not change. Two, God is good. And these things you may say, okay, that's basic Christianity, and at some level it is. But us living it out, feeling it in our hearts, having confidence because it's true, that's a whole different bargain. For us to live my life believing that God does not change and that gives me a firm foundation for my feet, that's a different ballgame. For me to actually believe that God is good in the midst of a pandemic and how it affects me and my family, that's a different ballgame. So these may sound very basic to us, but they're things we need to go back to time and time again to get it from our head to our heart and make its way to our hands and our feet and change the way we live our life. So these two things, God does not change and God is good. So at the end of this verse, it says, there is no variation or shadow due to change. This is a very consistent thought throughout the scriptures, a very consistent teaching that God does not change, not even a little bit. There is no shadow. Let me give you some scriptures. You should at least write these references down. Numbers 23, 19 says that God is not a man that he should lie. Thank goodness, right? Or a son of man that he should change his mind. So people lie and people change their mind, even the very best ones. 
But God is not a man like that. He doesn't lie and he doesn't change his mind. Micah 3, 6, he says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. So God's saying, I don't change. The promises I made to you thousands of years ago are still legitimate because I have remained the same. Though Israel has changed, though they have rebelled, though they have done all these terrible things, they have lied and changed their mind, he says, I don't change, I don't change. And so I will still make good on my promises because I don't change. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, this is a great, easy one to memorize, is the same, say it with me, yesterday, today, and forever. Amen to that. Is that good news? Is that good news to anybody? Yes. Pre-pandemic, in-pandemic, post-pandemic. Jesus Christ is the same. In the same. Pre-tragedy in your own life, in-tragedy, post-tragedy. Jesus Christ is the same. All the time. He's the same. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. Now, the text here says there's no variation. Another way to say it is there's no room for change. Meaning it's not even possible for God to change. There's no room for it. It's not even in the realm of possibility that God could vary or that he could change even one bit. I think the power here of the analogy is he compares it to the stars. He says the father of lights. So the father who has created all the lights and all the things in the world, the stars and the planets and all of that, who's created the sun that's very consistent, who's created all these different things, even those things, right, this is what an eclipse is when shadows cover different areas. That happens, things rotate and they change. And he's saying the Father, God, who made all of these lights, which are so consistent, the sun rises and falls every day, which are so consistent, yet still they change, they rotate, they vary even a little bit, and those variations cause shadows. He's saying, your father who made those lights is not even like that. They don't change. So the thing that you count on the most, that the sun would rise each morning, the sun still changes a little bit. It varies. Things around it vary. But God remains the same. So he's taking, take some of the most reliable things in your life, things that you have no control over, and then turn to God and say, man, God does not even shift a little bit. God does not create shadows because he has no shifting, not an inch, not a millimeter does God change, change his mind, change his ways, change his perspective, change his attitude about you. Right? Once God has set his love on you through Jesus Christ, that never, ever changes. Why? Because you're so great? No. Because I'm so great? No. Because I won't change my mind or lie or do things after I receive Jesus? No, of course I'm going to do those things. But because God doesn't change. The reason I can rely on him is because he doesn't change. Not because I'm great or because I figured this out or because I'm more holy yesterday than today, which I hope is the case. But the reliance is that God doesn't change. God will always be what he has always been. And this is true always for us. He is reliable and trustworthy. So that's reason number one why this changes everything, the pandemic and everything else going on around us, but yet nothing at the same time. It may change everything, but nothing because we are God's people. You can write this down. The world has changed, but our God has not. The world will continue to change, but our God will not. And this is something worth praising the Lord about and being excited about, that the world has changed. And in the midst of all that change, God didn't change one second. And the world will continue to change. In the midst of all that change, God will never, ever change. He won't change. Now, this is really good news because the second truth, that God is good. So if God never changed and he was a terrible person, this would be bad news. If God didn't change and all he did was mean things, that would be bad news. But God doesn't change and 
God is good. God is good. So from this God who does not change, the word says right here, every good and every perfect gift comes down from above. From this God who does not change. So in the Greek, these two words, gift and gift, look at verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is actually two different words. In English, it's the same thing. But in Greek, it's two different ideas. The first one is desire. Every good gift that comes from desire. Every willingness to do it. Every desire that you may have to do a good thing comes from God. And then the perfect gift, the actual thing that's given, that also comes from God. So the point of this being that every desire for good, to give a good gift, comes from God. And every actual good gift, the present itself, comes from God. Meaning, both from desire to the consummation of that desire, every good thing you ever experience in the world comes from God. It comes down from above, from someone who doesn't change. So if he's treated you with goodness, then he will continue to treat you with goodness. That's why verse 16 says, this is so important, do not be deceived. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be deceived. Say, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. This is his point, right? Because in the the prior verses, he's saying, hey, look, this is why sin happens. This is how you sin. This doesn't come from God. Sin doesn't come from God. It comes from within you. It's his point. And then he flips it and he says, don't be deceived. Every good thing comes from God. Meaning, you know what we do? We flip those things. And when things are bad and when we see sin in the world and problems, we look to God and we begin to blame him. And when things work out good, we look to ourselves and our circumstances and say, I'm so glad that worked out. Or I'm so awesome, this is why it worked out. We flip it. And the world wants us to flip it too. Right? The world wants us to blame God for bad things. The world wants us to do that. The world wants us to think that way. And God is, let me hear you, this is a whole other sermon. God is sovereign over everything that ever happens, good, bad, or otherwise. Nothing happens apart from his providence. But the Bible teaches us that sin and those terrible things come directly from within us. And so now he's saying, don't be deceived, don't flip it, that good things come from God and sinful things come from in us. Don't be deceived to turn those things around so that as we move forward or as we navigate a pandemic, as we think about God in the midst of all these terrible things happening around us, we have to remember that goodness comes from above and the problems come from below. And may we never turn those things around as we wrestle with these issues. So goodness comes from above. Uh, You know, James is helpful with this because in James 3, he also teaches us where wisdom comes from. And he says, wisdom that is pure comes from above. But wisdom that is impure, that's jealous, and all these things comes from below. And so now we have this dichotomy between what comes from above, from God, from the heavens, and what comes from below, here. And we learn that goodness comes from God. That goodness, you should write this down, starts with God. Once again, a very simple phrase, but something that's so important for us, that goodness starts with God. It starts there. So every good thing you ever experience in life starts with God. Every good blessing you ever experience in life has started with God. Every good desire you have to do something good or someone has to do something good to you started with God. Every good thing starts with God, from God who does not change. So then, as we navigate the way forward, we say, my God doesn't change, and he is always good. And everything good I experience or want to experience in the world is going to start with God. 
So the question now is, where are you looking for goodness in your life and in your world? Are you looking around you or are you looking above? Because goodness doesn't start here, it starts there. Which is why we've always said, hey, you have to fix your eyes on Jesus during the pandemic and all the time because that's going to be the center. That's why we say Jesus is at the center of it all. That goodness starts with Jesus. Goodness starts with the gospel. Goodness starts with God. So that as we navigate the future, we say, hey, no matter what, I know God doesn't change. And I know that to receive anything good in this life or to want to see something good happen in this church or in my family or moving forward, I know that goodness starts with God. So then the question is, where are you looking for the goodness in the midst of all this? Where are you looking? Where are you hoping to receive some benefit from? Where are you looking for stability? Think about these two questions, okay? God doesn't change. So now the question is, well, where are you looking for stability? Is it from your job, from your health, from your circumstances? Where are you looking for stability? Are you looking here? Because stability doesn't come from below. Security doesn't come from below. It doesn't come from a healthy body. It doesn't come from a good job. It doesn't come from a good retirement plan. It doesn't come from, a, like security doesn't come from there. It comes from above. Where does goodness come from? Well, I can't look right into the left. It comes from above. And so the question for us, City Light, as we move forward into this new space, is not like how do we necessarily do things down here? It's like what are we paying attention to? Where are we looking? Are we going to look to how we run things or do things in the future for stability? No, we have to look to God. Security comes from God. How are we going to navigate the future? We're going to say goodness comes from God. So let me, let me show you something that I think is the final kind of part of this. It's the word of application for us. This is so important. Okay, you got to listen here. Every one of the four texts that I read, okay, so Numbers 23, 19, Micah 3, 6, Hebrews 13, 18, Hebrews 13, 8, and this one, James 1, 17, they all have the same similar type of context of God's presence and help for his people as he calls them to lead a life of obedience. So it's all different. The, the situation in Numbers is a little different. The situation in Micah is a little different. The situation in Hebrew is a little different. The situation in James is a little different. Obviously, you're talking to different people. But the context, as you read the passages around it, they're the same. And the idea that the God's presence is revealed as the means by which people navigate the future and follow him in obedience. So in Numbers 23, there's a false prophet, and then God reveals the truth to him, and then through him to the people of God, and he makes statements that he doesn't change, that he doesn't change his mind, that you can trust God in the midst of this, and it says that he will be for us. So instead of listening to this false prophet, you need to listen to God, because God doesn't change and he is for you. In Micah 3.6, the people of God has disobeyed. They deserve to be squashed just like us. But why does that not happen? It's because of God's presence and God's goodness. He says, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, Israel, will not be destroyed. Right, Hebrews 13, 8, right before that it says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. The whole chapter of Hebrews is command after another. You need to do this, be hospitable, do this, do this, do this. And then in the midst of that, in the midst of commands to follow Jesus, it says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then in James, in the midst of a call to, to endure suffering, count trials as joys, to flee from temptation, what does he say in the midst of that? He says, your God doesn't change, and from every good thing comes from him. 
So now you see the point of the argument that God doesn't change isn't just theology in the sky. That's like, oh, that's nice to know. It's the absolute essence by which we pursue God in obedience and that helps God's people move forward. From the Old Testament to the New, the fact that God doesn't change and God is good has always been the ground of assurance for God's people to keep taking steps forward in obedience, always. So when he asks you to move forward in obedience, he reminds you that he doesn't change. And he empowers you to move forward in obedience. When he asks you to move forward in obedience, he reminds you that he is good. And then he empowers you to trust him and to move forward in obedience. This is always the case. So when we take wonderful truths like God doesn't change and we leave it up there somewhere in the sky and we don't bring it down into the decisions I make every day, we are missing the very core truth that God uses to motivate his people to obey. The very core truth that God uses to help them navigate times of uncertainty. The very core truth that God uses to help them follow his commands. God constantly is saying, I don't change, I am the same. So the reason you can be sure and confident, the reason that we can be peaceful, stable, happy, joyful, in the midst of uncertainty comes from Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. It says, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? I'm telling you, you have to have this verse memorized right there in your heart to say, okay, look, I'm in a pandemic right now, and who knows what's happening in each one of our lives, and I don't know what the future holds. But you know what I can do? I can look backwards, and I can remember that God gave his only son for me, that in Jesus Christ, he offered a way of salvation. He already proved his love, and he already proved his desire for me to be saved and his desire to walk with me. That's already been done. And then now I look at my present circumstance, I look back 2,000 years, and I remember that God is good, and 2,000 years later, God is good. He doesn't change. Right? He who did not spare his own son will not spare what you need right now. He who did not spare his own son will not spare the wisdom we need to move forward. He who did not spare his son will not spare the protection that you need for what God asking you to do. He who did not spare his own son will not spare the joy that you need. He did not spare his own son will not spare the peace that you need. He who did not spare his own son will not spare the security that you need. He who did not spare his own son will not spare the help that you need. God is good. God does not change. So that we are good and we can move forward in obedience to him. Is that good news? Are we excited about that? Can somebody say yes and amen? So you remember that as you move forward individually, as we move forward as a church, God does not change and God is good. He who did not spare his own son will not, will not neglect what I need right now. He will not. How do I know that? I just look backwards. I look at something he's already done. And I look up. I don't look around me. Because if I look around me, I'm going to get confused, depressed, upset, unsure, uncertain. And that's the, that's the space I'm going to live in. If my world is Instagram and Twitter and CNN and Fox or whatever, the news, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be troubled in my soul. But if I look up and if I look back, I'm going to find goodness and stability and peace. And it's going to enable us to move forward. So before you fall before we fall, remember on our ice skates as we're moving forward, let's grab onto these strong truths, okay? Before you feel like you might fall, before you feel like you're just getting totally upset in your mind, before you feel like you don't know what to do, before you feel overly frustrated, before you feel like your peace is gone, remember something that doesn't change. Grab on to God. Let him hold you up. 
He is strong and able to do that. God is good and God does not change. So for this reason, everything that we're in right now and us moving forward, this changes everything but nothing for us. The world has changed, but our God and our mission has not. And this is the foundation from which we move forward as a church. So let me pray for us and let's sing and celebrate who God is. Heavenly Father, we love you. Father of lights, the maker of the stars and the suns and the moon, we honor you. We exalt you in this place. We thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning. We thank you to be able to sing together, to pray together. This is a gift, Lord. This is a gift that many people around the world still do not have, not because of coronavirus, but because of persecution. And so, Lord, we just thank you for this moment that you've given us. What a gift. Every good and perfect gift comes down from you. And so, Lord, we honor you. We thank you, Lord, that we can have stability and security in you. I pray that here at City Light, these people, that we would be strong because we trust in you, that we would move forward in wisdom because we look to you, that we would have peace and joy and goodness and contentment because we're looking at you and not the world around us. Lord, everything has changed, but nothing has changed. And I pray that you would give us a sense of security in that. God, and embolden us to go change the world through your spirit as we share the gospel and continue to make disciples. We love you. We thank you for not sparing your own son, but offering him up for us all. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen, amen, amen.